Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Mark 1. Today we begin a new gospel. We've now finished the gospel of Matthew and we are starting the gospel of Mark. Now you'll notice Mark is the shortest of all the gospels and you'll see that in chapter one. He gets to the point. He doesn't beat around the bush. He keeps the story moving. And one emphasis we'll see throughout the gospel is the emphasis on the suffering of Christ. Christ is the suffering servant. Uh, We don't know as much about Mark as we did about Matthew, who was one of the 12 apostles. Mark is not one of the 12 apostles. But one thing through history and tradition that we think... uh, is true about this gospel is it's very likely that he uh, was influenced and even got a lot of this information from the apostle Peter. Um, But we will see the gospel of Mark. And here in this first chapter, we see what I think is really one of the most important verses in the New Testament uh, for the way that it just really puts succinctly uh, the message of Jesus Christ. It's a great verse that you need to understand for yourself, and it's a great verse for you to use in evangelism, and it's an important verse really just in setting up the gospel of Mark. So Mark begins by just saying the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So there we see he wants to give this good news declaration of Jesus Christ using that term, uh, the term that would mean Messiah or anointed one who is, he makes it clear from the very beginning, the son of God. And he starts then by in much quicker fashion talking about John the Baptist and notice how it talks about people were coming out, uh, being baptized in verse five, confessing their sins. So there you see sin even is part of the focus. We see the baptism, the temptation, again, all of these much more succinct than you saw in Matthew. But then we get to this important verse in verse 15. Let me read verses 14 and 15 for us. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, Proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, this verse contains, we like to call at our church, the three most important words. And it's actually something we use in evangelism, even on uh, the papers that we'll hand out to people. It'll try to highlight these three most important words, and those are repent, believe, and gospel. Those are uh, such important, so important in summarizing the message of Jesus Christ. And we we don't get in Mark, uh, these long extended uh, portions of the teaching of Christ. You, you saw that more in Matthew. You think of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, these, this long extended teaching. We don't really get that in Mark, but here you get this snapshot of the message of Jesus Christ. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And those are words that you need to understand. And those are words I want to encourage you to use in your evangelism. Let's think about what is he saying? Repent and believe in the gospel. Well, I like to start with the first, with the last word there, gospel. Uh, that word simply means good news or even the Greek word has this idea. It's a declaration or a proclamation 
of good news. Well, what is the good news? Well, well, we see it talked about throughout the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15 is a great place to summarize that message saying, Jesus Christ died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again all in accordance with the scriptures. Um, And so that's the message you need to know. That's the message you need to declare. Jesus Christ died for our sins and he was buried that it's kind of showing he, he really died. It wasn't just some stunt. And he rose again. God affirmed everything that he did. And that idea for our sins, we've already seen here in the Gospel of Mark. They came to John doing what? Confessing their sins. And so that's where that can even help you understand. We don't understand the good news without having some grasp of the bad news. And what's the bad news? We're sinners. And we need saving from our sins. And Jesus died for our sins. And our sin is a big deal. We think of the Ten Commandments, or I like to think of even what Jesus said were the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We have all failed in that. And we need to confess our sins, but there needs to be payment for those sins. And Jesus paid that on the cross. Here, you you think of the words even Mark uses to kind of describe what is the good news. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. And that's something we shouldn't ignore in our preaching. That The message of the gospel is a message about a kingdom and its king. And that king is Jesus Christ. And so we are proclaiming the kingdom of God. And you see that even in other places in the New Testament, he has brought us out of the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So the the good news is not only about uh, just the forgiveness aspect that's included, but it is, hey, there is a kingdom. Come be a part of this kingdom. The only way you can get into this kingdom is through the forgiveness provided by Christ. But man, this is the kingdom that you want to be a part of because Christ is coming. He will reign and you want to be a part of his kingdom. So that's the good news. Now, the thing is, in especially our culture, the United States of America, many people are at some level familiar with that message. People are familiar with the idea of of Jesus dying and rising again. Uh, That's where I think a lot of people don't understand why that needed to happen or understand the idea of forgiveness for our sins or the idea that Jesus is a king and this is about his kingdom. But you do find some understanding of that in our culture. And especially when you go not just to our culture at large, but you get into churches, people might have a better understanding of that. But where I think we've really failed is especially in describing repentance and faith. Uh, churches, many will proclaim, hey, Jesus died for your sins. He rose again. But I think it's less clear sometimes on what well, what is our response to that supposed to be? And you come here to that first word, repent. It simply means to turn, that we are to turn. And that's where I think the idea of kingdom is helpful because basically what we're saying when we live in our sin is we're saying, God, you're not a very good king. I'm going to be the king now. Well, there's a word for that. That's treason. Sin is treason. And we need to turn from that sin. We need to turn to God and say, God, 
I am not a good king. I have failed. I have committed treason against you. I am confessing my sin. And God, I want to turn to you. I want to turn to your way. That is the idea of repentance. And that was something I had to realize. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor and I would have said, I'm familiar with the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again. I know that. And even on some level, I accept those as as true facts. But I remember hearing a testimony of someone describing repentance and what it means to turn from sin. And I knew, whoa, I have never done that. I have never turned from my sin because I knew that if I, it still came down to a choice of what I want or what God wants, I knew I was doing what I wanted. In my own heart, I was still the king and I hadn't turned from that. I hadn't turned from my idolatry to God. And we need to be bold in declaring the message of repentance to our society. And then it says repent and believe. Now, believe can be another confusing term because we think of believe as just, well, I accept something as true. But when we read the Bible, and you'll notice this as we continue to read through the New Testament, when it uses the word believe, there are clearly ways that people believe that is not a saving belief or faith. Um, and there are ways that people believe that that is true and saving. For instance, James will tell us about the demons. Even the demons believe. They, they accept these things as true facts, but clearly that is not the kind of belief uh, that God is looking for. This is truly embracing uh, what is taught. Um, often I use the illustration, you know, it's one thing for me to say, I've got my pilot's license. And for you to say, oh, I believe you. It's another thing for you to get in the plane with me at the controls, which would be very foolish because I don't have my pilot's license. But I think that's the idea of the true biblical uh, gospel belief that we see throughout the New Testament. It's not just, I accept these things as true, but it's, I'm leaning into these things. I am putting my life and making it depend on these things. I'm really calling out to Jesus as the Savior. So the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Do you know those words? And specifically, have you repented? Have you turned from your sin, given up being king, and turned to God in faith and trusted in him to say, Jesus You are the salvation and the forgiveness that I need. And Jesus, you are the king that I need. And I'm trusting in that. Is that a commitment that you have made? That is what it really means to respond to the gospel. And I'm concerned, very concerned in our culture that there are many who would affirm the facts of the gospel, but there has not been true repentance and faith or belief. And if that is you today, let today be the day of salvation where you turn to God through repentance and faith and experience really the benefit of the gospel for the first time. And that's not something you just need to believe for yourself. These are words that you should use because the next thing that we see is Jesus calling his first disciples. And notice what he says to them. Uh, In this case, it's Simon and Andrew, his brother. Uh, He says, follow me and I will and you, I will make you become fishers of men. So clearly they were going to take these same ideas that Jesus was teaching and take them to others. And I love that imagery of fishers of men. Now, 
I am not that great of a fisherman, but I live in Idaho, so I'm surrounded by people who love to fish. And there's that idea, we're we're fishing for men. We want to see people come to know the gospel and respond in repentance and faith or belief. And I love that idea of fishermen because even when I have gone fishing, I know it's not I just go down to the river or I get on the boat out on the lake or in the ocean and I just sit on the boat and wait for fish to jump in. That's not how fishing works. I'm going to get bait. I'm going to get crafty. I'm going to figure out how can I get this bait to the fish so that they will come and bite. And that's where I want to encourage you. Think through your evangelistic opportunities. Think through your life, whether it's your neighbors or people in your community. How can I engage these people with the gospel, right? How can I get them to bite down on this message? Take some time and think about that today. Pray for that today. Think through even your own spheres of influence. Maybe you've got coworkers or you're a student and you've got classmates or you've got family members or neighbors, or you just go to the same coffee shop um, a couple times a week. Think about, I'm a fisherman. What kind of bait can I use? How can I get people to engage with this message of the gospel? That's a great idea from that picture that Jesus gives us of being fishers of men. And then the rest of the chapter, we see the authority of Jesus. And it's something that should cause us to worship. We see his authority over demons, his authority over sickness, as he cleanses a leper, as he heals many. We see him going on and preaching. But one thing I want you to notice as you go through this, Jesus was focused and his emphasis was on the message, not merely on excitement. Because even you'll notice him, he's telling the demons to be quiet. Even when he cleanses the leper, he's encouraging him to not go and, and share this with everyone. Why is that? And you can see from the chapter, it's because he's got a message to preach. And so he doesn't want things distracting from that. He's really focused on the message. And that's something I think when we look out, even at the Christian world today, lots of times people, and not just in the Christian world, but just in our culture, there's a hunger for excitement. And we should remember as Christians, excitement isn't always necessarily a bad thing, but we shouldn't get the cart before the horse. Our focus is on the message of the gospel. And we want to pursue proclaiming the gospel, not just having excitement. Um, And so we see that also from the example of Jesus. And I think that's something we should think through today. But we start the gospel of Mark with some important things and really the three most important words, gospel, repent, believe. I hope those are words that you personally have experienced, words you are going to proclaim as a fisher of men. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.